Come on, are you glad you're in God's house this morning? Are you thankful for the presence of the Lord that's in the room today? Man, I feel him already making a way, working miracles. Amen. Hey, uh, if you have a, a Bible, this is gonna sound like you've heard this before, but I'm gonna ask you to go back to Romans 12 one more time. And uh, I, I think it's just this one more time. I'm, uh, I'm hoping it's just this one more time. I keep getting, I can't get out of these uh, first two or three verses, and I wanna, I wanna share something with you the Lord's been dealing with, with me about in my life, and I wanna talk to you today about humility, humility. So Romans chapter 12, and I'm gonna read verses one through three. This is what the Bible says. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Can we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. God, we ask over these next few moments that you would speak so clear to us that our lives would be challenged, that we would be changed for your glory. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this room. And because we know your presence is here, anything is possible. And so we just believe that today and we receive your word with gladness. Thank you for uh, just bringing us here together. It's by your grace that we have been brought together. It's not of us, it's by your grace. And so thank you for that. Some people think that it was, it was by their own power that they brought themselves here this morning because they drove themselves, they got themselves dressed, but you gave them the arms to put the clothes on. You gave them the breath to breathe in the body. You gave them the mind to be able to even drive a car. So God, we thank you that you brought us here today. And if you brought us here, that means there's a reason for us being here. So speak to us, declare to us that reason today. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen, amen. amen. Verse three is, is where we're gonna be working from this morning. He says, I, I really challenge you. He said that you, you don't think more highly of yourself than you should, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith that God has distributed to each of you. Uh, this, this portion of scripture really indicates to us that there is a level that we should think of ourselves on. Uh, and you need to know this level, Paul is saying, because if you don't know this level, then you will have either too high of a view of yourself, or in some cases, too low of a view of yourself. If you have too low of a view of yourself, you'll live in self-condemnation, self-hatred, You'll, you'll have this identity that is, is below and, and not above. You'll have this identity that you're never good enough, that nothing you ever do will be enough. And that's not where God wants you to live. But God definitely doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want you to live in this place where you think that you're more than enough, that <laughs> you think that you are the man, that you think you are, as my dad would say, all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> He would, he would not want us to think too high of ourselves and be full of uh, this thing called pride. So what's the answer? How do, I, how do I come to this place where I can get a healthy evaluation 
of my life, a healthy evaluation of who I am as a person? The answer, I believe, is found in humility. I wanna read you a few verses about humility. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and four, it says the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. First Peter in five and five says, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 18 and 12 says, before destruction a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Luke 14 and 11 says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Philippians 2 and 3 says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Colossians 3 and 12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Seems to me that the Bible tells me that an overestimation of myself is going to lead to destruction, but a proper estimation of who I am is going to lead to elevation in my life. It's going to lead to more grace in my life. Is there anybody in the room who say, I need more grace in my life? And so to properly evaluate myself is very important. And pride is not this idea or thought that you are that you are better than others, first it begins with thinking that you are better than you. I wanna give you some examples of that. In Matthew chapter seven, verse three, Jesus is teaching. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I think this, this, uh, the idea that Jesus is teaching here is like you are your biggest problem you are your worst enemy, and you keep focusing on what's going on in the lives of other people, and the problem is, is you've got your own issues, and I love that he uses the, the idea of sawdust and a plank, because a plank is something that you would, you would build with, and I think sometimes in our own minds and in our lives, we construct a life that is really not truly us. We construct this idea of ourselves that's really not who we are. And then we build around that, we construct around that a, a, a way of living to, to hold up this idea of who we are. And no wonder the Bible says pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall because you have built a life around a you that isn't real. <laughs> And so he says, hey, why don't you worry about what's in your own eye? And see, see here's, here's the idea. When you think too highly of yourself, again, it's not just thinking that you are better than others. It's thinking that you are better than you. There's, there's, this, there's this mindset that, that creeps in that thinks that we are capable of more than we are actually capable of as individuals, and it causes pride. That's why Paul would go on in Romans 12 to talk about the different gifts that people were used in. He would say, listen, if your gift is hospitality, then do that. If your gift is generosity, then do that. I don't want you jumping outside of your lane and operating in spaces and taking on things that you were not built for. And so much of our frustration in life is that we keep taking on stuff that we were not built for. I think we live in the day of probably the most amount of frustration there has ever been in the history of the world. And I think this frustration has so much to do with all of the information we have. 
We've never lived in a day where we have access to so much, to so many answers, to, to so much teaching. If I don't know how to fix something, I can just go to YouTube and watch a video and learn how to fix it. We have so much information that actually we are taking on ourselves things that we were never intended to take on ourselves. You were not made for this. A lot of people are like, I was built for this. No, there are some things in your life you weren't constructed for. And a lot of the shame you feel and a lot of the anxiety that you feel is that you have constructed a life that you were never intended to live. And now because of pride, you have to keep propping up this person that's not even real. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. And it's an overestimation of ourselves that leads to this. That's why Mark... 8 and 36 says, it says, what's the point if you get everything but lose you in the process? I've got it all, but I don't even know who I am. I've got everything, but I don't have me. Why? Because I overestimated me. I overestimated. I, I, I examined myself and, and didn't properly see me. Paul says the danger is that you would think too highly of yourself, always trying to act like you are more than you are. This doesn't really fit in the current, you know, popular teaching in American Christian culture that, you know, believe in yourself and have faith in yourself. No, man, I, I have no faith in me. That's why, that's why last week I loved, I loved Ezekiel's answer. And he said, God, I don't know you. No. And, and here's the thing that I'm finding out about God and the people that God uses. God is attracted to uncertainty. There is something about you not knowing everything, you not being sure of yourself that actually is attractive to God. When God comes and calls people, in particular in the Old Testament, he comes to them and they, they always look at him and they're like, me? Why me? I'm not able to do what you want me to do. I'm not qualified to do what you want me to do. There's this uncertainty about themselves that God loves. And God is, God is that's why he resists proud people. But he gives grace to the humble. Oh my goodness. Second Chronicles 16 and nine, the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. That just means that your affection and your desire is for him. That means your eyes are on him. That means your confidence is in him and not in yourself. God, God doesn't want to show up to your address and say, hey, I've called you. And you'd be like, you know, I've been ready for this my whole life. I've been training for this every day of my life. I knew you were going to come call me. Look at all my degrees on the wall. Look at all of my experience. Look at all that I've got to offer. No, God's not going to show up to a house like that. God's going to show up to the house where you're walking around your bedroom. You're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm called to do. But God, I love you and I trust you and I, be, I believe in you and my confidence is in you. I know I've got some degrees, but my confidence isn't in my knowledge. I'm like the apostle Paul who said, I count all that as dung just to know you. I want to know you. 
I want to know you. And it's, it's that ability, like Paul would, would say, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't put any of my confidence in that stuff. Matter of fact, he would say stuff like this. He'd say, I, I don't count myself to have apprehended. It's the mindset of, of a king whom the Bible uh, teaches us about a king named Jehoshaphat who, who really followed the Lord with all of his heart. And the Bible says about him that he was in a situation one time, even though he had accumulated an incredible army, had already won some incredible victories, was more than capable of defeating the enemy. He, he had an enemy coming against him and he, he fell on his face before the Lord. And he said this in, in 2 Chronicles 20 and 12, he said, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Even though he had it, he still was like, I don't have it. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Are you able to take that place of humility with God even when you have the power and you know what to do? <laughs> Romans 8 and 28 says, in the same way, the spirit helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans as he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Did you notice that? The spirit only begins to intercede when we look at our situation and say, I don't know what to do. <laughs> See, I know I have the answers can become an idol. It's God's plan for my life, God's purpose for my life, God's blessing in my life is truly found when I, when I have this ability to approach God as a student. Because when I can approach God as a student, what do I do? I draw the teacher out. But when I have all of the answers, what's he gonna teach me? When I have all of the solutions, who's gonna teach me? When I know the way that I'm going, who's gonna, when I know what to pray, what's the point of the Spirit interceding for me? But I'm at a point in my life where I'm just like, God, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't understand anything. I don't have any answers. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to pray. I need you to pray. And watch what the Spirit does. The Bible says that the Spirit himself, he intercedes. He searches our hearts because he knows the mind of the Spirit. And the Spirit intercedes for God's people. Watch this. In accordance with the will of God. The reason you need to get to a place in your life where you don't know is because you want to know. And if you want to know, the only way to know it's through the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store. But by His Spirit, He's revealing His plans to those who love Him. See, there's no room for God in a mind that is full of self. <laughs> and that's why we can't see God's plans. That's why you've got a lot of... Christians running around confused. I don't know God's plan for my life. I don't know what God's plan. I can't see God's plan. Help pray for me. I need clarity about God's plan. They can't see God's plan. Why? Because we have something else in mind. I can't see his plan when I already have a plan in mind. 
And there's a lot of frustration in this room today because your plans didn't work out. Here's the problem with your plans. Most of the time, your plans are not God's plans. And your frustration is because your plan didn't work out. Here's the reason you don't have to be frustrated about God's plan. Because if I will just submit to God, then God's plan for my life will take place. I don't, I don't have to kick any doors down. I don't have to make anything happen. I can be just a little shepherd boy out in the field minding my own business. And the call of God will find me. The call of God constantly found David. Why? Because David was just confidently serving wherever he found himself. As a matter of fact, the crown that eventually found its way onto David's head found its way to David. He didn't even have to go search for the crown. He was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a crazy season in his life, and they actually grabbed the crown and bring it to him and crown him. He didn't have to go search for it. See, here's, here's the thing about it. If you, if, you will, if you will get to the place where you don't know, the Spirit will search for it for you. And there's so much frustration because it's like, man, this ideal you had. And the reason you had this ideal about your life is because you thought too highly of yourself. Well, all right. This is, I, it, it's not very popular, but I just want to help you today. I'm trying to help you deal with the frustration of living in the middle. See, see, the Bible teaches us that yet we are now the sons of God. And when Jesus comes, we will be like him. But here in the middle, we don't know who we are. We don't know what we're called to do. We don't know what's going on here in the middle. Now, I'm trying to help you with the biggest portion of your life. Salvation happens in a moment. It happens in a moment. You, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and it happens in the moment. It, your, your transformation into, into the likeness of Jesus is going to happen in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's all going to change, but somewhere you got to live in this middle space. And if you don't get to the point where you don't know, you're going to live this whole life frustrated. Every decade is going to be filled with I thought I'd be here by now. I thought I'd have this by now. I thought I would accomplish this by now. You think too highly of yourself. <laughs> Man alive. See, here's, 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 here's the problem with what we have in mind. What we have in mind is mostly developed by what we see others have. Here's the problem with most of the plans we have for our life. We base them on a plan we have already seen. Don't we? We say stuff like, I, I want a marriage like that. I want kids like that. I want a house like that. I want a job like that. And we develop the plan for our life according to a plan we've already seen. <laughs> oh man. And and here here's here's what happens. Here's what happens to us, to us. We we will never be satisfied because you cannot discover God's plan if you are obsessed with God's plan for someone else. You will never understand what God has planned for you when you are obsessed with what God has planned for someone else. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the Bible teaches us, Israel, they, 
they've got it made. They've got it made. God is their king. He is taking care of them. He has set up prophets to speak to them on behalf of God. God is taking care of them. God is protecting them. God is giving them victory. But they start to look around at other nations. And they're looking over here at this nation and over here at this nation and over here. And, and, and they, they saw an Instagram post from the Amalekites and, and they saw an Instagram post and a Facebook post from the Philistines. And, and they're looking around and, and they start to get frustrated with their life because they keep looking at everybody else's life. And now instead of being obsessed with what God has called them to do, they're obsessed with what God has called them to do. And, and they're looking around and, and they go to Samuel and they're like, Samuel, hey, listen, um, you know, I, I know it's cool right now, but listen, you know, what we'd really like, we'd really like to have a king like the other nations. And Samuel gets frustrated because he thinks he thinks they're he thinks they're rejecting him. So he goes to God and he's like, God, you, these people are rejecting me. They, they, they don't want me. They want it. They want a king. And God says, no, he says, no. They're not rejecting you. They have a king. I'm their king. They're rejecting me. Isn't it an amazing thing? How we can have a king and still want a king. You know, a lot of times I I get so frustrated with the Israelites because I'm like, golly, y'all are just dumb. Like, you just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. But if I, if I stop thinking highly of myself for a moment and properly evaluate myself, I'm the same person. They said, they said, they said God, we want a king like the other nations. And God sent word through Samuel back. He said, well, if, 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 if I give you a king, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to be good for you. And they wanted it anyway. Isn't, isn't it a wild thing that God could show us the consequences of going our own way and doing our own thing, but we still want it anyway? But watch how, watch how wild God is. God is like, I'll give him a king. Because listen, what you will not learn through instruction, God will teach you through experience. <laughs> and some of you right now are in an experience. Because you wouldn't learn the lesson in the classroom, he had to teach you the lesson in real life. You wouldn't learn how to humble yourself in class, so he had to allow you to experience something that would humble you. Mm. Oh my gosh. So this is what what properly evaluating ourselves does. Properly evaluating yourself destroys the myth that God exists to make your dreams come true. And what are we told from the time we're born? Reach for the stars. Chase your dreams. But God doesn't exist to make your dreams come true. If that were true, then you would be you would be using God. But that's not how this works. God uses you. And you don't get to tell the one who created you how to use you. 
I know I'm messing with a lot of your Christianity today. You thought if you were gonna come to God, he was gonna make all your dreams come true, make your bank account full, take you through nothing. But you said yes to the wrong God. You don't serve a God who serves your idea. We serve God's idea. I say this all the time. God didn't die to give you the American dream. God died so that you could fulfill his dream for your life. And his dream looks so much different than your dream. It's not what you had in mind. And so you're frustrated. You feel undervalued, underused, underappreciated. Nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. Didn't Jesus tell us that no student is greater than their master? Here, here's the problem with pride is it's an expectation to be treated better than Jesus. Jesus said if they hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. There's an entitlement. See, see, that's why we have to, that's why we have to, we can't, we have to change the pattern to get different results. The world has a pattern. The world has this mindset that, 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 that God owes me and people owe me and the system owes me and everybody owes me. And we live this life with like, I'm entitled to all of this. And the only thing the son of God was entitled to was to die a humiliating death on the cross. For you to think that you deserve any better is to think you're better than your master. So I can't live a life of entitlement when the only thing I think I deserve is what Jesus got. I deserve honor. Uh, uh, what did Jesus get? He got a cross. If any man, Jesus said, wants to follow after me. Bring a big wallet, because I'm about to drop a load of money. And he said, if any man wants to follow after me, guess what he's gonna have to do? He's gonna have to deny himself. Take up his cross. And follow after me. See, it's difficult. It's so difficult to experience success and maintain humility. That's why you see so many people reach incredible heights and then fall and you're like, my goodness, what happened? Remember, we're, Israel's condition is our condition. What happened to them? They would get blessed. They would get successful. They would forget God. Then what happened? They got miserable. And then what happened in their misery? They cried out to God for rescue. Here's the problem with pride. When you are full of pride, you have to stay in crisis to maintain commitment. tell you what I mean by that. There are people here in this room today and you don't know how to really 
be committed to God when things are going well. But if a crisis comes, you pray. If difficulty comes, you finally open up your Bible. When failure comes, you, then you fall to your knees. But God is, oh my goodness. God is trying to get us to the point where we don't think so highly of ourselves that we get to this point that I don't need crisis to worship. Because if you need crisis to worship, you will stay in crisis. Paul said, in order to keep me from getting bloated in my own head, he allowed a thorn in my flesh. Paul said there was something that God left in my life on a consistent basis because he knew and I knew that if he got rid of it, I would start to think higher of myself than I actually was. He said, because of the revelation I was getting, because of the way God was talking to me, because of the way God was blessing me, because of how good God had been to me, God gave me this because he knew if he didn't give me this, then I would think that I... And some of you are in crisis constantly and drama is constantly a part of your life because you don't know how to praise God any other way. Hosea 13, four through six said, said, but I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no savior but me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. And watch this. And when they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot me. The most dangerous thing for you today is that you would forget God. As a follower of Jesus in America, where the poorest of us is richer than most of the world, our biggest struggle is, is not gonna be all of the perversion that we see and all, all of that stuff is rooted in this fact that when we get stuff, and we get blessed and we get successful. We forget who brought us to the place that we are. But I feel like I'm in a room today full of conviction that says, God, you don't have to humble me for me to praise you. I'm going to go ahead and properly evaluate myself today and tell you that I don't know nothing. I am nothing without you. Without you, I'm nothing. Cars mean nothing, the house means nothing, the job means nothing, the family means nothing. The, the way people see me means nothing. I have nothing. If it's not for you. So I'm not gonna spend my life trying to construct some life that makes me seem like I'm someone I'm not because he ultimately knows exactly who I am. I'm not gonna do that. You can stand on your feet. I, I need to close. Do you, I want to ask you this question today. Do you need failure to fall on your knees? 
do you still have a prayer life when you're not in pain? Here's the big question. Can you maintain brokenness while you are whole? When you get better, can you, can you stay broken? Because God said, if you're not careful, you'll get better and you'll, you'll think you made yourself better. You th you'll think it's by your willpower. If you're not careful, you'll get blessed and you think you made yourself blessed. You'll think it was because you worked really hard. I was like, no, if you have anything good, you better give me praise for it. Because if you don't, it, everything that doesn't turn into praise turns into pride. And I have to maintain, I have to maintain my gratitude. Not by forgetting what he did and expecting something new. No, I, I've got to constantly remember what he has done in my life or else the thing I used to beg God for and now I have will become normal to me. Some of you have the thing you used to plead with God to give you. Now you have it and it's just normal. I don't, I don't know if you understand this, but, but the day we live in to have your right mind is not the norm. I don't know where you where you've where you thought and forgot that having access to be able to walk on your own two legs is like something that you should stop praising God for. Like when you stop praising him for the small things, you'll start to believe you'll you'll get out of bed in the morning and think you got yourself out of bed. I'm just at a place where it's like, I just, I cannot forget God. I cannot forget God because the moment I forget God, I start to get filled with me and me is, is, and to overestimate me is a, is a flaw. It's a mistake. And no wonder so many people are falling flat on their face because they've constructed lives they cannot maintain. You've built this perception. You want people to see you a certain way. It's not even who you are. And now you have to maintain it because you can't really see who I am. God, help us to maintain brokenness when we're whole. I'm going to throw your hands up in the air if that's you today. God, help me to maintain brokenness when I'm whole. God, I don't want it to take failure for me to follow my knees. I, I don't want it to take pain for me to develop a prayer life. God, it's my uncertainty. It's my stumbling that attracts you to my situation. It's my not knowing. It's my inability to attract your ability. It's my weakness that attracts your grace. God, help us to properly evaluate ourselves in light of who you are. Because when we see ourselves properly, man, we maintain proper view of you. And our lives are full of full of grace, not full of ease, not full of no problems, but there's grace in our weakness. 
There's strength in our pain. There's peace in our struggle. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. God, help us to learn in the classroom so that you don't have to teach us through experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Come on, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Anybody in the room today? Thankful for a God who doesn't expect you to be something you're not? See, so much of the pressure you feel in life is this unhealthy expectation you set for yourself because you thought too highly of you. The only, the only one who needs to be highly exalted in your heart and in your mind is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I just want to challenge you today to make sure as you leave this place that you, you take some time every day of your life to thank God for the little, the little things the little stuff. Come on, I'll never forget. I got home from Haiti one time, and and uh, I got into my into my house, and I turned the water on in my sink, and I just started to weep, and I just started to praise God for running water. God, bring that back. Like, bring the person back who's not like who's not like frustrated with the 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 the, the model and make of their car. Bring back the person who weeps over running water. Come on, let us be a people who cry over the little, like who are thankful over the small stuff. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I'm praying that if there's anybody in this room right now who needs to surrender their life to you, I'm praying that they would make that decision right now. That they would just from the bottom of their heart open up their mouth and say, God, I give you my life. Take me. Whether it's they need to be saved and give themselves to Jesus, become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, or they've been away from God and want to come back to God, or they're just a Christian who's thought too highly of themselves, and today they want to humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. Thank you for conviction. Condemnation keeps telling me that I'm not enough. Conviction reminds me I'm not enough, but points me to the one who is. Because I'm not stuck in I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Hey, I might not be, but I know the one who is. So I'm not going to put on this facade. I'm not going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to be real before the Lord in his presence. I'm going to let his strength be made perfect in my weakness. I'm going to let my uncertainty draw and attract his grace. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. I love you so much. Listen, if you want to make a decision for the Lord, you want prayer for anything in your life, just like somebody to talk to. We've got a prayer team up front who would love to meet you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you very